0: Two mid-arm for four. 100 the place to get it
1: on his home ground at Got it! Got it!
2: Well-deserved, a magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Goal! What a pass this is for Ryan Sybottom. Could be a run-out.
1: County champions as Rich Barra takes the catch. Welcome to the Covers Off podcast from the Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Me, Richard Pyre again, and with me this week is Steve Patterson. Pato, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm good, mate. How are you?
1: I'm good. So we've we've pretty much finished training now, and it's it's game time from, from tomorrow for us. We play Lancashire in a friendly. It must feel good to get you know get some cricket under his belt now.
2: Yeah, it's exciting. Obviously, we've been back about three, four weeks now. Got ourselves back into cricket after a long layoff and it's exciting to, to have a game starting Friday. So, I think these two practice matches, Lanks and Durham, will be a good kind of indication of where we're at after a long break. But we're excited for it and we're ready to go.
1: It can never really be a friendly against Lanks, can it?
2: No, I'm sure there'll be some uh, issues going on on the field, but uh, it, like, it's just good to be out there, isn't it?
1: At least Bresley won't be playing and he won't be fighting against Livingston again, will they?
2: No, exactly. Without, without Bres, it makes it my job a little bit easier to manage a lads, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it is. Right, should we crack on with uh, this week's guest? Absolutely. Okay, so this week's guest has been around a long time. He's got, he's got a pretty good CV. He started working at Leeds Rugby League. Uh, he's worked for England there. He's been the England Chief Physiotherapist. and done 50 tests and two World Cups. He's been Medical Director at Castleford Rugby League. He's been at Yorkshire for 26 years now, and his title is Director of Medical Services, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> delighted to
0: welcome Wayne Morton.
1: Wayne, <laughs> great to have you on, mate.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks, lads. Nice to see you. It feels like ages since I last saw you. It does. <laughs> does I, don't, title, I thought right? I want to start on a correction, obviously, but see, see, it seems that long, doesn't it, when you say 26 years, but the reality is it's 36 years. Is it? Yeah, probably before you were even born, you too, wasn't it? <laughs> it looks <laughs> like it to be fair. Looking at you, <laughs> I know I look a bit <laughs> dishevelled at the minute, but yeah, 1985 <laughs> we first started with Yorkshire. You can't believe it, can you?
1: That's it's uh, a long time. Is that, that is that longer than Frog? Frog says he's done. He says, no, well, Frog's been 40 years. I'm,
0: or I'm, I'm the longest unbroken servant at Yorkshire. And Frog was, yep. I think, uh, Frog. I think joined in eighty one or two. And uh, I think was capped in 85, actually, maybe even 84. And, uh, but then obviously left us for Durham for a little while and then yeah. came back. But so I think in years I've done longer and in unbroken service. But uh, yeah, he's he's the next one. And I think uh, the other person is David Ryder, who was secretary for a while at the club. And if he's still involved in a part-time basis, he's he's probably the longest serving servant there as well. So. You're, the,
1: you're the man to go to, aren't you? Anyone need, needs anything, go see when. <laughs> I don't know if that's true.
0: <laughs> 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 Hello, okay. Let, let's start off on the right foot, eh? Let's see how yeah, yeah,
1: Let's get this sensible stuff done first. Yeah. We. We
0: um, so
1: you started in rugby league. I think that's right saying you you a rugby league player, and then you went uh, into physio. So just give us a bit of uh bit of background on how you started, how we became a physio, and how we ended up at Yorkshire.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, Gosh yeah as I said it's a different lifetime ago so uh I qualified as a physiotherapist in 80 in 81 and I worked at St James's Hospital and through treating a few people who were rugby league lads I got asked to be physiotherapist for Carlisle. Uh, that seems a bit unusual when you're based in Leeds but Carlisle trained at Eastmoor and were largely uh, Yorkshire lads so I kind of got involved in that and I thought you know I, I think I could play this game I was a decent rugby player in my youth and I'll give it a go but the reality is I just wasn't good enough or hard enough because those lads are tough and it's hard, it's hard work, is rugby league. So I did a couple of years at, at Carlisle and then I got asked if I'd be Leeds RL physio. And um, so I became Leeds RL physio in I think 84, 85 and I was still working at St. James's at the time. And uh, so I combined St. James's work with Leeds rugby league physio and I had a couple, of, a couple of A games for them and I was still rubbish. I hadn't got any better. So, um, and then through my association, because of course we, we shared the ground, even though the relationship was a bit tenuous back then, a couple of the cricket lads, um, well, they came across for treatment when I was with the rugby lads, because they didn't have any full-time physiotherapist or medical cover back then, when you, when you kind of look at how amateur it was. And I met a couple in the hospital who were coming in for treatment, um, David Bearstone, Neil Hartley, Simon Dennis, those three in particular were the first ones that I, I kind of met to do with cricket. And having treated them on and off the field and got to know them, um, David Bester, who was then captain, asked me if I'd be interested in coming to work for Yorkshire. And uh, I thought, well, that's be a decent proposition. But unfortunately, Yorkshire, in my opinion, it required to be a kind of a full-time job in the season, which would have meant me leaving the NHS and the hospital, which I was a bit reluctant to do. But in 1985, I did a couple of games for, for Yorkshire. And then in 18, 1986, I left, I left the NHS and... Uh, Became Yorkshire's physiotherapist for, that, for the full-time 86 season. So uh, I took the plunge. I did rugby league and, and Yorkshire for a couple of seasons. And then that marriage didn't work too well because as business partners, they weren't always that friendly and they didn't like that cross association. And uh, we had the possible chance of a tour to the West Indies. First time ever. I'd ever been anywhere like that. Uh, <laughs> Carrick was asking me in 87, you've got to come, you've got to come. And I thought, yeah, I've got to take that opportunity. You never know. And I'd only joined Yorkshire in '86, literally for for six months. I thought I'd give it a go, give it a try, and I could always go back. And it's funny how how life maps out uh, your road, isn't it? So I jumped at that chance, and here I am, as I said, 36 years later, still uh, still with Yorkshire. Brilliant. It's uh, it does seem a different life a, a time ago, you know. And, and that journey took me. From a, you know, kind of full-time from 86, just doing summer work originally. And then, as as you know, as players, and we argued for more full-time contracts and longer associations and a lot of changes. I mean, one thing we'll get on to chat about is that how the game is unrecognisable and the prep and the work that, that like yeah. you last do, is completely different than how it was then. You know, we had best intentions, but nothing to the level that we operate at now. Mm. And, um, and in 91-2, uh, I got asked to be England A physiotherapist. And in fact, went on tour with Martin, our director of cricket, as our uh, as my captain for that first England A tour. Did three England A tours, uh, Australia. Uh, where did we go? India and Bangladesh, and then South Africa, and then '95. You know, got asked to be the England physiotherapist, which I stayed into um end of 99, five years, just start 2000. So, and I never left Yorkshire, which was obviously, <laughs> which is a discussion point and was a massive uh, issue with the ECB. But uh, I chose not to leave Yorkshire at that time. And um, I stayed with them and stayed in association. And I'm still there. I've never, I've never missed a year. So whilst I'm not particularly on the hands-on front anymore, I do, um, I'm not hung up on a title, but I'm either medical director or sports science and medicine performance director. I'm not bothered about titles, but <laughs> also, as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do well at Yorkshire and we're still benefiting from it, then I'm, I love the association. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you what, Wayne, talking, obviously, of your long association with the club and how things have changed a little bit. I saw, when I was with QER, day-to-day physio now, a few weeks back, I saw a programme you put together, probably back in the early 90s, of a winter programme for the players, as in training programme. Oh, yeah. And I've just wonder because obviously it's a long time before we got involved in the game. What was it like, obviously with your medical background, being involved back then and maybe trying to influence players in the right way when perhaps they didn't maybe always buy into what you were trying to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, that, to be honest, that's where one of the biggest changes of the game has come. I mean, I don't, I don't want to come across as, a, as too negative or aggressive in any way, but when I joined Yorkshire back in 86, Rugby league, whilst it was a semi-professional sport, was not classed as professional like cricket was, but the rugby league lads were really professional about what they did about their game, particularly about training, because obviously there's a direct link in being fitter and stronger in rugby league, invariably is going to make you a better better player. But I don't think, as regards cricket, a fitness link had been established. It was all about skill factor and if you could do these things. And nobody had really examined the fact that cricketers technically would benefit from being fit the argument from a lot of traditionalists is that well there's no evidence to suggest you know it make you a better cricketer and there isn't Uh, it's very difficult to to prove that but there's probably no evidence to suggest that being fitter makes you a worse cricketer either and i think as time has shown that those ideas it adds to your longevity it adds to your health and your well-being and your performance which we're all about So when I started to write those kind of programs as a a bit of a one-man band, really, because we didn't have anything like the infrastructure or the backroom staff that's available now at any level, either at Yorkshire or at at England, is they were kind of just off off the top of my head or what I felt lads should do to look after themselves. Because effectively, you know, back in 87, 88, a, a player's contract was, you know, you turned up in April the 1st of April, fit to play. But nobody had any idea what fit to play meant. So sometimes we'd we'd start pre-season training and within two weeks we'd have 10 players injured. And so there was no establishment of what these players did in the winter. We had no control over that. So I think the general move that I tried to create was a move to look after yourself out of the out of the playing season, to come back in a probably a conditioned and fit way and and, you know, not just for the benefit of your game and cricket, but also for the longevity of of your own life and your own limbs and your own performance. And um, so we started to create these kind of advice sheets, programs, winter training programs, you know. I, be, I was a big believer in cross-training and, and trying to get some better strength and aerobic ability into the players, which was a bit alien in the sport then. So, yeah, I think Kua found, um, found one from 87. And I think he was a bit stunned that, here we are, thirty-five years later, and I'm still still saying the same stuff. I'm a one-trick pony. I've never, uh, <laughs> I'm boring. I've just repeated the same for thirty-five years. But actually, no, he showed it to me. He found it in the back of a cupboard. He was clearing out rooms, and uh, it was interesting. You know, he set a lot of stuff, you know, in place for for young lads to to follow. And and on that subject, you know, I, I was just talking to PG Paul Grayson um, the other day about that, and. Paul Grayson was one of the first cohorts of the academy, obviously with Darren Goff and Jeremy Batty. And when they came in, my target back then was these young lads and the younger end of the squad because the traditional older players, they were very resistant to this kind of approach. And But I could see that the future was going to be in the way you approach this younger end, which is why I'm still a big fan of the academy and how we, and we treat them as professionals to this day because – an unknown academy player becomes a Darren Goff, becomes a Ben Stokes, becomes a Jimmy Anderson. And you have to treat those players like they're going to become that and and talk to them in a way that that is how their career will map out. Because if you can get the habits, I think we all are probably in agreement with this, if you can get the right habits, both physically and mentally and in lifestyle and in technique into a good young lad at, at, at an early age... They carry that through all their career. And, and cricket is a sport where, you know, it is good to learn from your peers. If your peers are good professionals, if they live their life in a certain way and they carry themselves in a certain way, then they're a great example for younger cricketers to come in and follow. And that, in, in, right, in its right, will produce better cricketers. And I think without patting ourselves on the back at Yorkshire, we, you know, we champion the academy. We were one of the first clubs to champion the academy. Everybody was saying, oh yeah, go ahead. And then ironically, the ECB turnaround, they were so against it, they fined us for having too many registered players because we had an academy, which is ironic, isn't it, back then. And then, and then we've promoted that academy and we've seen some great players come through. Not all, not all ended up being you know, fantastic professionals for Yorkshire. Some have come and gone, but they've all benefited from that system, gone off to be either better league players or, or better individuals because they've learned from from what we taught them, which is, I think, a legacy I'd always be very proud of.
1: Yeah, 100% and it, it does pass on. And I think it's been nice this last few weeks where you've you've been able to come in, haven't you, and actually watch a little bit of training, which you hadn't done for a while, and see some of our young lads And You know, your comments to me were, wow, these lads have... They're really pushing it now. And what what the you know, you must see a difference now of our young lads, how the train, how the how they move compared to, you know, 25, 30 years ago.
0: Rich, it it it's it was been fantastic. I mean, ironically, that's because of the issues of COVID. My own clinic has been shut down. So I've had a bit more time to spend at York than I've wanted to. I think there's there's a couple of things. On the one hand, it's amazing how the game moves on, you know, what, what these players can now do. Which is considered skillful or normal compared to what players could do thirty years ago because it was not expected the shots that they can play, the field the athleticism and that goes down you know to probably twenty years of better sNC strength and conditioning and, and advice and, and in Ian Fisher and Pete Sims, the lads are, are so well looked after, and the advice that they're being given is is absolutely top draw you know when I used to train players I, I, you know i 'll hold my hands up with best interest and I kind of thought I knew what what I was doing but we just used to beast everybody you were probably a victim of that pato in his day as well we were fit and we did yeah yeah we did start to get cricket specific fitness probably through luck really rather than my intelligence but but now these lads are absolutely on it and their development is to be better cricketers and the other thing it made me realize as well is how old I've become because 30 years ago, when I stood very close to the batter at the back of the net, watching the fast bowlers, it, seemed, it always seemed fast. I remember watching Paul Jarvis run in when I was first at the auction, thinking, gosh, he's quick. But I was watching some of the young lads like the other day, you know, like Dom Leach charging in, Young Fish, Ben Code, stood where the batter stands or just behind. Oh, my God. I don't know whether it's the passage of 36 years, but they seem quicker now than they did 30 years ago. I'm not one <laughs> of the old traditionalist cricketers who said, oh, it's better in my day. Because these lads are absolutely amazing. And it was great to actually be be there. Although I think they look at me and probably think who the hell was Why is what's Rolf <laughs> Farris doing is it back in there? Doing yeah. <laughs> 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 what's, yeah. what's Rolf Farris doing wandering around these nets? <laughs>
2: <be that wrong. laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, I've I've, I've fallen victim to the lockdown beard like you, Rich. That's what it is. And I've never had a beard. I like it. Yeah, it's it's different.
2: different, So So if you look back now, Wayne, obviously you started out, like you say, you were almost a bit of a one-man band in terms of trying to make the players more professional. You look at it now, our medicine department, there's yourself as a lead. We've got a couple of doctors. We've got two full-time, Part-time physiotherapist, two full-time SNCs. Are you quite proud? Obviously, you've overseen all of this change. Are you quite proud in how that side of the club, that development, has come on?
0: Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm proud of that. I do feel it is a legacy that I hope I'll leave, and I think things improve. You know, I I know that you before you before you say it, I'm known as the controversial Wayne Morton, which is a tag I've carried around for the last thirty years, and that's only because. I tend, I tend, I've had these battles with people at the ECB. I've fought for full-time physio cover. I've fought for second team cover. I've fought for academy cover. I've fought for academy cover home and away, because no player to me has ever been a piece of meat. Apart. they've nearly always been friends, and you know you've got to look after those people to be to get the best out of him. You know we have a mantra which we try to repeat now, which is probably Yorkshire's prophecy, which is you know health, well-being, and performance. And if you look after the health of those players and you look after their well-being, then you will get performance. And at coach level, no offense, you're just looking at technique for performance. You want the best out of that player. But we're looking at, and everybody now is encompassing the whole kind of holistic approach to these players. So Mm. it's been a long battle. I do feel, I will use the word battle because I think with consecutive people in charge, you're always begging for something, whether it be more money, more staff, better coverage, and I think we're getting to a point now where, you know, it, it has moved with the times. I think if you, if you look, for instance, my first, um, my first England tour, you know, you think, gosh, that's only 1995, post-apartheid, England to South Africa, huge press, massive, massive coverage. And, uh, you know, you've got 16 players, a manager, stroke director, stroke chairman of selectors in Raymond Dillingworth, a manager of a tour in, jo- in John Barclay and myself that was it so you know one physiotherapist who who also took the role of social secretary but also was you know you could say psychologist and fitness and trainer and you know my legacy at Yorkshire because I was always involved in stuff I should have never really been involved in I used to do a bit of bowling in the nets as you know and I'd be trying to do a bit of coaching and I'd be taking fielding practice and running the running the arse off most of the lads is you were, you
1: were still doing some coaching last week
0: <laughs> <One of them. laughs> that was only you i was All saying right. getting <laughs> <laughs> um you know so you you drop into that and you were and you know my first tour was unbelievable you know i always tell a story and uh, the first tour so uh, you know the first day i think we landed and we, we we landed about four o'clock in the afternoon so we didn't really do very much the second day the we were at the wanderers at johannesburg um, for our first training session, you know, England, England had arrived in South Africa, the Force England, South Africa, who we'd obviously beat them in a very controversial World Cup semi-final the year before in South Africa, if you remember the rain affected. So they were, they were really up for this, for this tour and the world's South, Af- the world's press and English, <coughs> South African press were all there ready to watch. So we kind of had a bit of a, a net session, and, and Raymond turned around to me, Raymond Hilliard turned around and said, um, well, you know, who, who's batting where, who's bowling where? Because that's what I kind of did a bit at Yorkshire, sorted some of that stuff out. So I remember thinking, you mm. oh, know, I wasn't planning on doing that. Anyway, so sorted out the nets and stuff. And then we had a bit of lunch and did arrange that then all the photographers and all the press could come onto the pitch and watch us field. Because South Africa were, of course, a really athletic team that could field brilliantly, and, and maybe they thought we'd do the same. So we're all sat on the field looking around and, and Mike Atherton says to me, says, um, where, where's Raymond? I said, I don't, I don't know, because we thought obviously somebody's going to take training. We go up into the dressing room and Raymond and the two coaches, they've gone off to Royal Johannesburg to play golf and <laughs> left a note saying Wayne will take training. <laughs> 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 this, <laughs> this is my second day on the job in South Africa in front of the world's press. So I, Mike Atherton looked at us and he, he just said, God, he said, you know, just, well, sort it out. Do what you do at Yorkshire. So I ran a Yorkshire training session for England on the second day. And it must have gone all right because Mike Atherton liked me through that tour and we've been friends since. So, um, you know, thrown in at the deep end, that's, that's how it's been. But it was more a good affirmation that what, we, what I was doing or what we were doing at Yorkshire was a good thing because it was streets ahead and I'm not being wrong there in what England were actually doing. We, yeah. we were training harder, we had better fielding drills, you know, everything that we were doing was pretty professional, uh, that might not be reflected of course in results, in truth somebody jumped down my throat and say that, but what we were doing was the right structure and it, and it dropped straight into England as well and it, and it came off. Right, you sleep, you're to asleep there right? I can tell. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, I've got,
2: <laughs> I, I want to ask you one more kind of serious question before we get on to maybe some more lighthearted stuff. And that, that is obviously... Oh, is it?
0: Uh,
2: So, so obviously, this season's been delayed by, what, four months? We're starting late. We know the reasons behind it, the lockdown, etc. From a medical point of view, because I assume you've been driving all our return to practice and everything, has it been one of the most challenging times for you in your career at Yorkshire to try and safely get us back to training and playing again?
0: I think I think the cliched answer to that would be say yes, challenging it has been as regards it's been frustrating. I've found it frustrating, generally, I would say you know being doing the job I 've done at Yorkshire for the years that every year's sometimes been challenging you know trying to the challenge has been trying to match the effort that you put in with the results that you get out because unfortunately in cricket, as you know as a bowler you you can run in twenty overs, Richie knows the same year, absolutely can be on your last legs you might not get a wicket for some bizarre reason people who write about the game think that you mustn't have been trying you know you can you know well you can bowl your absolute best and not get a wicket and then on other days you can feel lousy it's a bit stiff don't feel big at the crease or everything and and pick up three or four for nothing and you think what a strange game this is so Mm. just the same you can you can do fantastic things you can train all winter you can prepare you can look at the look at the levels that we're at now technically-wise. Technical I mean, I, I don't mean to bully up Rich, but, you know, some of the work that we do with the bowlers now has been fantastic. And you can do all that. But unfortunately, in a results-based game, if they don't get wickets, they don't get runs or we don't win trophies, people think something's wrong. Yeah. So I find that the challenge, no doubt like you do. The challenge, cricket's a tough game. It's a really tough game. Not only have you got to believe in yourself, you've got to believe in yourself to play well. You've got to then bizarrely play well. And then, unfortunately, you've then got to prove to somebody else that you're playing well. And that statistically is not always the same. So, yes, it is a challenge. I wouldn't say it's the most challenging thing. I've, we've been very lucky, or I'm very lucky at Yorkshire. We've had some great staff, you know, over the years. Uh, Carol Becker originally, a long time ago. Then then Scott McAllister, who's with us a year and, and now is head of, you know, Manchester City uh, Academy. A great a great role for him and, and well-deserved. And, and now in in Coor, who's been, you know, when you call him a day-to-day physiotherapist, I'm sure he'll love that, but he's our lead. <laughs> you, you, you know
2: what I mean. You uh, know
0: yeah, me. but I don't think anybody else listening knows what you mean. But he is, you know, he's been fantastic. And and Chris, who helped out Chris Liversidge last year, was, he was kind of like second team and also first team, uh, came from Bradford, extended scope practitioner physiotherapist. And this year, of course, we recruited Pete Miller. And, uh, Pete was second team physio at Durham, did a bit of work over the last couple of years uh, with the Women's Diamonds. And now we've got Pete on a full-time basis. So I'm very lucky. I take no credit in, in what I do in the day-to-day stuff. Perhaps the only credit I might take is that the people I appoint are very good. And um, and, and they're excellent. And I think well-respected and well-liked by the lads. COVID, of course, has been a challenge to just about everybody in the country, not just in sport, also in all forms. And in the... the all forms of industry, but trying to get professional cricket back on in an environment under rules which change on a day-to-day basis has proven difficult. And I think, again, I think we've done that. I don't, I'm not taking any praise for this. We've done that as a club fantastically well. And the players have adhered to it in brilliant, playing socially distanced to stick to the rules of one skim, one ball, to get in, train, get out. All the things that we've been trying to say to the lads where cricket very much is more of a social. The lads would chat to each other. They'd say, how did I play that shot? How do I bat? And of course, you're almost cutting all that element out. But I think the lads are well prepared. I'm sure whoever plays in, the, in these warm-up games in the first championship game will feel as prepared as they possibly can, can do in this shortened period. And... um and fingers crossed that all that, just like I've just said, the challenge is to try and make sure that all that hard work replicates itself into some level of success. Let's see. Definitely.
1: Well, Absolutely. I've spoken to quite a few people around the country, other bowling coaches, and things like that. And the stuff that they're doing, you know, I, I honestly think that we couldn't have prepared our lads any better. You know, we've given them the chance to go and enjoy a bit of cricket, you know, though it's been yeah. such a hard time, has not it? You know, we, we want to go and win a couple of trophies, but, you know, most important thing is we're back playing cricket. So, give them a given an opportunity to go and enjoy it now
0: yeah i think uh, sometimes like as a group we have to perhaps be a little bit careful when we say we've done something really well and because then people say well how would you know or or it doesn't reflect in your success. But I genuinely feel like I wouldn't say that you know me. I would say, oh, I think we should have done this. Or, I think we've done, in the timescale, amazing and the best, uh, the best that we possibly could have done. And I think the, the break from playing, it's an unusual thing, isn't it? You know, From only two, three, three months ago, there was no prospect of any cricket whatsoever. Then there was this sniff that we might play a bit of cricket and now we're seeing flat out in in all forms of cricket, planning for a championship and T twenty yeah. and a second team and seeing if we can get an academy a few academy games in. And I think the with the players themselves, there's there's been, you know, there's all everybody talks about the psychology of lockdown, but I think particularly with some of the youngsters, that void of their life, because cricket is a diarised sport, isn't it? You know exactly what you're doing and suddenly there's no cricket and they and you realise you miss it. So if you think well I wasn't that bothered I couldn't be bothered then it's probably focus your mind to realize actually this this is important to me this is what my life's going to be for the next 10 or 15 years so fingers crossed that that could be a positive to come out from let's face it a break in cricket which has never happened before we've never really had you know and it must it must be at international level when they because their schedules got very very busy it must be a welcome almost a welcome break to some of them bowlers
1: Right, Wayne. I've um, I've done a bit of uh, digging this last couple of days since I knew you were coming on. I've spoken to a couple of our old physios. Uh, we've mentioned before, Scott McAllister, uh, D- Dean Riddle. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Ku our, uh, our physio now? And uh, there's a, there's a couple of a uh, couple of stories I was going to ask you about.
0: Oh dear. <laughs> this is, this is, okay.
1: Oh, you seem to be breaking up, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a as a young physio, you know, you're trying to make your way, who Koo, Koo's asked me to, to ask you about some kind of, kind of razor blade that was lost on the rugby field.
0: Pair <laughs> <laughs> of scissors, yeah. Oh my god, pair of is scissors. That story that isn't a funny story. Oh, that's one of my about second or third game but with Carlisle was a physiotherapist and, you know, he said, funny environment rugby league when you first used to drop in, you, you were on all the time, it's not like cricket where you might go on four times, four or five times a game, you're on, you know, 30 times in 90 minutes and I, I always used to try and be prepared, you know, like bandages left pocket, scissors right pocket, jacket pocket, plaster, stitches, glue, Vaseline, all, you kind of knew where it was, so one of those players, I, I jumped out of the dugout and ran onto the middle of the game and you know the game goes on and I, I was treating this lad and bandaging up, actually bandaging up a head wound, and then I ran off and I put my hand on my right in my right pocket, and my scissors weren't there. And I thought, <laughs> oh, oh no, where <laughs> like, are my scissors? So, firstly, I thought, oh. I'll just forget about it. And then I have this horrible nightmare that, you know, some rugby league player's going to die on to be stabbed to death or something. It'll be, I'll be sued forever. So I have to go on the pitch, never before happened in rugby league, and stop the game while, uh, while 26 players search for my scissors. So not particularly funny, uh, particularly stupid, and uh, and very embarrassing start into uh, a sporting environment. Not great. <laughs>
1: And leading on from that, way, and you, uh, you said you jumped out of a dugout. Didn't you once jump out of a dugout and knock yourself out?
0: The very first game I did, <laughs> the very first game, we played Lee away. Yeah, Lee, in the old in the old ground. And I was kind of watching the game, which I, which when you're a rugby league physio, you learn not to do. You always watch just behind the game, because that's usually where back then the injuries were always happening off the ball. And uh, the then coach, John Atkinson, famous Leeds winger, was coach at Carlisle, like banged me and said, what are you doing, what are you doing over there, over there, pointing dead quick, and obviously not thinking I just jumped up like you're doing your mad panic, not forgetting that there was a I was in I was below below ground in a concrete dugout and knocked myself out on the top of the dugout. <laughs> Nine stitches in the top of my head and uh, you know like come round to everybody <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the greatest impression. Let's move on. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they still invited you back though, didn't
0: they? <coughs> yeah, probably there was nobody else, that's all that's all it was. Yeah. Yeah, not the greatest auspicious start to me, uh, me sporting career as a physio.
2: Obviously, you like to have a bit of a ball in the nets. I spoke to Frog earlier and he, he said, actually, for a non-cricketer, he said you're one of the best net bowlers. He's first. So what we want to know is who are your best wickets you've got in the nets? You must oh. have some good ones from your test times.
0: It's only an hour this programme, isn't it? <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember Chris Silverwood talking, saying something about the best bowler ever faced or something he did, and he said me in the nets and I've never felt so proud in my life. It was fantastic. So yeah, I never thought of myself as a bowler, but I used to like to think of myself as a as a kind of sportsman and I, I would try and get involved and I tried to turn myself into a bowler. Miles better like every bowler I was brilliant with a net around and seventeen slips and players everywhere after yeah. the player hit the ball. But, yeah, that sounds
1: like Pato now.
0: That is it is <laughs> now right, yeah. <laughs> in it, it. So um yeah. I, I, I used to enjoy it and I love getting a few scalps. and you know Martin because we were best mates and we spent a lot of time together and if you practice I would always volunteer I think I just I just that level of involvement it gave me much better connection I kind of knew what it felt like to be a, a bit of a bowler and to be sore because even though I was bowling 20 miles an hour slower than a Paul Jarvis it, it was still my maximum effort you know so I knew what it yeah. felt like to be absolutely knackered the next day so uh, yeah I mean that was part of my game I mean ironically I kind of took that into I took that into the England and bowled in the I England you I can't you can't believe I did that can you I mean looking back imagine that now <laughs> you know I've got this physio where is he I need some treatment oh he's just bowling nets for another three hours <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it's way around now we have we have Cooey now
2: he wants to bat in
0: the nets and he's a good, and he's a proper league cricket. I mean, <clears throat> I was, well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I know I wouldn't either. I'd never <laughs> even play cricket. I mean, it, it reached a pinnacle of, of embarrassment. I think when we were in tour in Zimbabwe in that much maligned tour, 80, uh, sorry, ninety seven ninety eight. I think it was, gosh, my memory can't remember. 97, 98 Zimbabwe. And it was maligned for lots of reasons. Historically, if you remember, David Lloyd said we bloody murdered him and it was a really fraught, bad tempered tour. It didn't really go down well. And it didn't start well. Uh, after Mike Allerton was captain, and he was really struggling with his back, and he and uh, which obviously was his his problem that he has, and he had surgery, and he has a condition called ankylosing spondylitis, and all, and he couldn't take his tablets, which kept it everything was building up, and he was struggling with his movements, so he was getting out, he wasn't moving very well, so we we went off to have a to have a net with him, and we we're trying to. And we're filming him trying to, another idea I brought in, like video filming, which wasn't in existence really before I got involved. And uh, trying to film him to show where he was going wrong. And um, he wasn't moving that well. And uh, I managed to get a hat-trick bowling in the nets of Mike Allerton. And, and this, this video of Mike, instead of helping him, is showing me dancing down the wicket, screaming with my arms up in the air. Like, come <laughs> it! <laughs> I don't think it did in the world a good, to be honest. Me bowling at him that day. So, uh, I've got loads of w- w- victims, which, other than us, will remain anonymous. But yeah, they're all they're all in my head. That's nice. So, oh, well, you got next? So right? you've,
1: you've you've done some travelling with England, haven't you, Wayne? And uh, this one's about travelling on the subcontinent. And you know, it's some some players and some coaches struggle with a bit of uh, funny tummy, don't they? Um, didn't Didn't you once? Uh, was speaking to someone before you got on a plane and uh, you, you <laughs> yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the truth is, is um, in in you know you when you go in the subcontinent. We all know that uh, there's a risk element involved, but I've got to be honest: is I, I was never plagued as much in the squad with the sickness and diarrhoea bug in India or Pakistan as much, ironically, as I was in places like South Africa or. I think the players in general took a lot better precautions because they fe- they were fearful of it. But I think the incident you're referring to is we were on a plane going from somewhere like oh gosh I can't even remember Ahmedabad uh, or somewhere to Bhopal or something. We got put down and I was really unwell. But obviously, as I said in them days, it was just me. You know so that was it. So if you're unwell, you're unwell. You just got on with it and. uh, on this plane, it was red hot and we'd had we'd touched down and, and we were having to wait. For, they said it was something wrong on the plane, but they were just picking up some dignitary. And we were on this runway for about two hours and it was red hot. And I I purposely decided that I wouldn't eat or drink anything because I wasn't sure I was safe. Anyway, after a couple of hours, I thought, oh, I'll be all right. So we got given these bottles of water and a bit of a snack. And then the plane took off and there no no toilets and, uh, and yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even sneeze. I couldn't cough. I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Let's just say it was an uncontrollable vessel. And uh, and the what's worse is I was sat back with the general public, <laughs> not particularly with the players at the front. And I had to sit there for 45 minutes, and everybody was looking around, wondering what this (laughs) was. And uh, I just had my earphones in, just (laughs) pretending. (laughs) The worst thing is I just didn't dare move but I mean everybody who's had the trots if they've ever had proper trots they know it's a bad thing. <laughs> you can't move can you I won't be the only person I definitely won't be the last that's for sure oh, and really. that's not even that pleasant I don't want to particularly talk about that I don't know told you that but that was Dean Riddle that's from Dean Riddle that. <clears throat> oh really really right you'll be get... on the phone
2: to him tomorrow won't you
0: yeah, I mean, Dino, what a what a great, you know, we're just talking about staff and acquisitions, you know, and, and changing traditions. Let's go back just to that second is, you know, I had to pay for Dean Riddle to come out on tour with England to Zimbabwe to prove to England that fitness and a fitness conditioner was a valuable asset to the players I'm on tour because they That's wouldn't, true. they didn't do it. So I brought him out for a month and he roomed with me. And Dean Riddle as an individual is amazing. And he's obviously yes. works for Seattle Seahawks now and he's got a top job there, fantastic. But I mean, you're talking 96, 97, 97, 98, that England did not recognise the importance of fitness or strength and conditioner coach or preparatory work even then. And uh, so, it, yeah, it has been a definite battle. I remember Dino, I um, remember Dino talk about funny stories or things which are tragic is, and we've all, we've all seen this in people, trying to help out by taking the mitt to the bowlers. And I was busy doing something, probably both. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing anything important. And Dino said, Oh, I'll do it. I said, Are you all right with a mitt? Because if you remember I brought base that was on something else, I brought baseball mitts into cricket because we didn't have them before. I used to wear a, i used to just wear one wicket keeping glove. And I thought this is too hard. <laughs> This is killing me, <laughs> you know? So I got this baseball glove and that's how it all started. Actually, I think a player before me, a lad called Dermot Reed, brought that one back and I think it was him I copied. It wasn't genuinely my own idea, but I think I followed it through. And now obviously the rife in the game. Anyway, he took yeah. this Nick Dino, and I think Dominic Cork was the bowler, and he ran up and Dino crouched down and he put the mitt in front of his face. You can't, this doesn't do well, does it, audio, but he had the mitt in front of his face, Dominic Cork bowled the ball, and he moved the mitt out to see where the, bo- where the <laughs> ball was. And he smashed him, first ball, straight in the nose. <laughs> Broke his nose. And I've never laughed so much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Sorry, Dino. Yeah, that's how good
1: <laughs> you've got him back there, Wayne. Tough anyway.
0: school, tough school, innit, that? Yeah, so never mind.
2: Talking of broken noses, Fizz, didn't you, uh, Frog told me you once had to sort uh, Dave Bias's out, didn't you, down at Northampton? Dave
0: Bias, gosh, what a great professional he was as well. Yeah, Northampton, what a game that was. Curtly Ambrose steaming in from the, from the dressing room and Firstly, smash smashed Frog's um, Martin's finger twice. Um, right on the end, oh, and then he managed to get the ball to go through Dave Bias's grill and broke his nose. And anybody who know, knew Dave would know that he was a tough cookie, and uh, his, his nose was flattened. and uh, <sighs> So the only way we could do it was what I'd learned in rugby league, where you you know you get two biros and you put them up the nose and you pull it straight and you lift it up. And, uh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you that's an eye-watering tenderness, but good old Gadge laid there while I did it. He trusted me, and you could hear the crunch and you could hear the movement. And and he, I think he played the next game. That's how hard he is. But uh, no that surprise, never, now. never ever happened. Now you, you couldn't take on the responsibility to either do that or let him play the next game. But uh, no. Yeah, being hit in the nose through the visor by somebody like Curtly Ambrose is not what you'd recommend. No,
1: when all three of us on on here today have been uh, the Yorkshire social chairman, and uh, when when I first started as social chairman, you get told about the the past greats, and uh, your name pops up quite a lot in the past greats. Um, so you know, it was a big part of your you as physio, wasn't it? running the team socials and and stuff like that. Um, you must have some good stories from back then
0: oh, I don't, honestly, not that I could tell on this program. I mean um, I think it was, <laughs> it was an all encompassing role on it you know you used to I, I used to feel that it was my my job to to keep the dressing room happy to keep the spirits up. you know we talk a lot about team spirit, however that 's created, and one way is laughing you know having a bit of a laugh or, or fighting for each other and genuinely feeling that you 're all in it together, and I was a big believer in that, so how I ended up with social secretary and and organising some some legendary, legendary end-of-season, you know, parties where we've either been, went away or I think we went to Dublin once and to be honest, I can't remember any of it at all. And I'm, I'm not a big, <laughs> big culture person, but back then I must have been and I can't even hardly remember the weekend from start to finish. And I remember one awesome end-of-season where we were saluting were you a young lad then, Richie Richardson at Scarborough? And no. because, you know, we called him seasoning because he was the king, and we all we all went dressed as Roman centurions, which you know. <laughs> Is a is a no big deal, but back then, eighteen, nineteen professional cricketers dressed as Roman centurions walking around absolutely paralytic Scarborough was a sight to see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I can only say, thank God there was no such thing as mobile phones or cameras because it would be just completely poo-pooed now because the game has changed so much. I don't. Yeah. I, it's not always for the best, you know. The lads can't always let the hair down, or 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 you know or let themselves go a little bit. And I, think, and I think that's sad because, you know, victory should be celebrated in whichever way that person wants to celebrate. Because if you don't celebrate victory, then you've got no ups and no downs. And if you've got no ups and no downs, then, then you, you're not really playing professional sport because that, that's yeah. ideally what it's about. But, uh, you know, I, I miss those three times. I miss, the game has changed so much. I, I understand why they've gone, you know. The Scarborough games are so social. Maybe the drinking culture was far, far too big in its early stages. But the social aspect of it wasn't. I think cricket lends itself to that. You know, younger players in a social environment would chat to older players and and, and learn from them and get stories about the game and talk about their own game. And and obviously, I suppose pubs and meeting areas were, were helped you know, help that uh, happen. Now, of course, that doesn't so much happen, but you know, great lads who would listen and, and that you sh- I should ever mention whenever I talk anything about cricket, you know, one lad in himself in my life, apart from being lifelong friends with Martin, although, you know, we always, we, I don't think we ever backtrack with each other, you know, would be the young Darren Gough because mm. people like Darren Gough set the way, you know, and I'm not overdoing it here for the development of people like you at Yorkshire. Because I mentioned earlier on that Goffey and PG were one of the first people on the staff. And uh, back then, you know, the, the, the cat players were quite hard, you know, pretty tricky. And a lovely man, I, I'm not typical of him, really. Um, back then, they would come in the dressing room and they have to do menial tasks and help out and things like that. And I remember Phil Carrick, who was then captain, and I, and I, and I must say, a, a great cricketer and a lovely, lovely bloke he sadly missed. And um, and again, it should never be underestimated, his, his influence at Yorkshire in bringing in overseas players. But he turned around and said to Goffey, uh, hey, young'un, take me washing downstairs, will you, and put it in the washing machine. Which, to be honest, was normal. That's what a normal senior player told a young academy player or a young lad to do, even a young uncapped player, they did it. And I remember this young Uncap player, young academy player, Darren Gough, turning around and said, I'm here to learn cricket, not to do your bleeding underwear and not to learn how to do washing. And you, you cannot now understand the, the the trauma that that caused, you know, the like an earthquake going off, the, the yeah. shattering moment that he said that changed everybody's perception in cricket. There were no longer this just young cricketer to almost just, you know, be here to help out and you do what I say. Suddenly this young cricketer had a voice. And basically that was Darren Gough. And his attitude too, you know, maybe got him in the way a little bit, but he, he definitely paved the way for having a different approach from senior players to younger players at the club. A great individual, of course, and, and famous, famous at Yorkshire. Did well at Brilliant at Yorkshire, Brilliant Essex. Great heartbeat of England, people used to say. But an absolute, you know, <laughs> a wealth of funny stories. But, yeah. uh, you know, a great legend. player. A legend. Uh, it reminds exactly. me of the time
1: of when uh, you asked that young lad at Driffield to go get your towel out of the oh. towel. So,
0: <laughs> Give it a rest, <laughs> Pato's like that, though, and he's old school. Oh, I know, I know, know. You know, he's still, he'd still have a waistcoat and smoking jacket, wouldn't he, Pato? And, and he get was. some lads to buff his shoes. That's what he'd do. He'd definitely agree old. to
2: it. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what, though, Wayne, I think you bit the nail on the head there. Like, Obviously, back in the day, it was a very sociable game. Obviously, there was a culture of going out and maybe a bit more drinking, certainly than there is these days. And I think that's the balance that, I think Richard would agree with me here, that you're trying to strike with the young lads now that are very, very professional, as you've seen in the few weeks you've been in recently, the work hard on the cricket. But it's finding that balance of being able to still have a social element without it being kind of unhealthy or frowned upon. Because I'd imagine if you look back on your 36 years at the club, you won't remember the times treating people in the physio room. You'll remember those great stories that came about because of social occasions.
0: Yeah, uh, and also playing occasions and you know some of the great games that you get involved in and, and some of the games against adversity and the disappointments. Again, I said, you know, my memory, my strangest thing is my, my middle part of my cricketing career is it's kind of, because I'm older now, it's kind of merged in, concertined into like a very small block. And it's difficult to socialize, but I I really can remember the highs and lows and certain incidents of of euphoria and sadness as well, you know, where where things didn't go well. But that balance that you talk about, I mean, it was definitely tipped far too social, far too, well, not so much social, but far too drinking. Drinking was not perceived as probably the danger or evil that it can be. Um, I still think you should be able, in a sport which is so played in the mind, to be able to let off steam. So I think if you don't let off steam, then you open yourself up to an awful lot of other issues. And uh, cricket is a game which, which is mentally played and you have to have a release button. So I think sometimes to be able to switch off, to get away from that, just to socially chat, to do something different is, is very important. Um, as you said, I don't think probably in the past we struck the balance that well. I was always like that on tour, I was social second tour because I felt that when you, you know, if you could be professional through the game, there's nothing wrong with having a beer and a meal on a night where you'd have that at home anyway. You know, we're not Olympic athletes, you don't have to completely starve yourself of of alcohol. But if you're in recovery, if you bowled a lot, you might think that isn't, now you might think that isn't the best approach to recovery. So the young lads know that and they avoid it on those days. They Um, haven't.
1: I think, in the 15 years that me and Pato have been at a club, we've probably seen three three different eras. Like we came in, there were the likes of Goffey, uh, Lehman, and yeah. it was quite a big drinking culture then. And then it, it probably it probably is a reason why they didn't win what the what what they should have won because of yeah. the talent they had in the squad. And then it, we had a pretty good balance of when we won the back-to-back championships, we celebrate our wins. But now the young lads are coming through and being a more dominant part of the squad. They're they're even more professional and. Yeah. and so there's, there's three probably three eras that we've seen in 15 years. So the the game has changed so much quickly as well.
0: Yeah, I mean to go you know go back. I think uh, certain cricketers, you know David Bestel, God rest his soul, his initiation for any young lad was to take him out with him, and if that lad survived that night, you know, like he was going to make it. But that wasn't easy to survive a night out with David Bestel, and and the same you know would be with an Ian Botham. He legendary would take out the young pro who was making his debut and see if he could survive a night out with him. Whereas tables had turned so much on that that now the young pros would rather go out with somebody who wants to talk about the game and and just be sensible and, and, and ask and they ask the questions how can mm. I look after myself how can I get better how can I get him out what can I do to stop this from happening and and their 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 inquisitiveness and their their um, hunger for knowledge to make them better is the thing that drives me on still because they are like a sponge you know and there is so much that you can give these young cricketers as you've probably noticed in technical advice your own development as a coach which is lovely to see you know, we are a family, you know, we've got PG back, your appointment, Gailey's appointment. Let's be honest, these are appointments which when came, not every member in the, you know, at Yorkshire or people think, oh God, they've just appointed within the club. But look at how you've both grown in these roles. They were great appointments. You know, you've been like a sponge. You've both, you've listened to other people. You've brought in different ideas and your own enthusiasm and your own respect from within the club is what what's made those roles really, really good. And you know, praise be not just because you're on this phone, but as I've said to you in the in the past as well, the work that you're doing is exceptional, and the feedback from the players that we're doing now is the same. They love that one-on-one contact. They they love that approach. Obviously, there's nothing you can do about people like Pato. He's well yeah. packed. He you, you too, just given up on him. Yeah. <laughs> who who bother? Who'd bother? Him, you know, he's like exactly. a cartoon character, isn't he? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but I, I, appreciate, it, but, I appreciate that Wayne no it is it's that development and it and you've got to sometimes say that because you know I felt for Gailey you know when we didn't have I talk about you put in all the effort look at the effort look at the stress he went through I mean he should have air didn't he Gailey he should have a bit Enough. of air and uh, he lost it all in about that second nice like second term because the membership seemed to turn around because we won nothing saying he was absolutely rubbish and yeah. I thought if they had the slightest idea the hours and how hard he has worked this season to bring out the best and our our lack of success was no fault of his in any no. shape or form, and no. I don't think there'd be any player who ever said it was. But and you see that. But of course, unfortunately, the members don't always see that, yeah. which I have to say are also a very big part of Yorkshire and a big transition. And I realise that some of those people they they live for Yorkshire cricket, and yeah, and you should always bear their opinions in mind. And it's not position to get agitated by some of their lack of knowledge but to try to educate or to try and give them more information and say well you wouldn't think that of him if you knew this is what we were doing on stuff like that whereas I think they just want the best out of us don't they they just want us to do really really well and they just just, they have the same frustrations when you know when we don't
1: question from uh, our old physio for you, Wayne uh, oh, Scott yeah. McAllister Scott Matt yeah um, if you were to do a car journey down to Taunton <laughs> with one person out of these three who would it be Jeff Cope Stuart <laughs> Regan or David Bias <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh god yeah it'd be Dave Dave, yeah. I <laughs> hope he'd be no good. He couldn't give me any directions. That'd be a waste of time, that one. And he couldn't care the driving. That'd be, that'd be dreadful. Uh, he'd change his mind a thousand times by the time we got to the end. So, uh, just for a bit of a story, those
1: those 3 you've had some battles with those three over the years, haven't you?
0: Look, the truth is it, you, I've had battles with everybody because there's always, there's always stuff. You know, I, 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 my, my, my approach is often somebody says something and I think the opposite of you straight away. I play devil's advocate. I think, well, what would, how does that look from a completely different angle? I think exactly the same when they're offering contracts or sacking players or when they say somebody's not done very well. I, I remember the, the club, ironically, with Chris Silverwood in a meeting, in a contracts meeting, the club saying oh he's not what he was he's not the force he is he's not trying Uh, we need to we need to unload him I mean literally that was the words we need to unload him and this is a lad who'd run through a brick wall for Yorkshire and mm. and I was so horrified by the person who said that comment. And I said, "Why aren't you asking? Why isn't he on top form? Why isn't? Doesn't he want to run through a brick wall for Yorkshire? Why is he not bowling that well? Not let's just get rid of him because he's not. There must be a reason he isn't. And that's always just trying to look at it from a diff, from a different angle. But um, no, I've had I've had a few battles with some of those people <laughs> over various over various things. Yeah, let's right. It. I know. I, I mean, so I mean, Dave Dave Bias is, was the ultimate professional. An absolute phenomenal professional throughout his career and a great friend. And I just think the club probably made a bit of a mistake when they appointed him director of cricket because he was such a brilliant professional. I think they thought that that would then rub off. He would be able to look after everybody else. But he was a brilliant professional looking after himself. He didn't tend to understand the psyche or the troubles or the problems of the other 20-odd players, although I think he tried really hard to do that. I just think that's where... Dave probably, you
1: know... Yeah, he it was, it was brilliant at leading, leading by example, wasn't it? Oh, We, it was, we, it we was came so, through with Dave Bias and, you know, as no, no better pro, really.
0: Oh, If you were to, as I said, if you were to learn from a senior player, you watched Dave Bias. You know, what a yeah. professional in his, pr- his preparation, his fitness, everything about him. I, I, I'd known him for 18 years. I don't think he was late once and he travelled an hour and 20 minutes every day and went home. So, stuff like that, mm-hmm. he, he, he was just incredible. So, And I think he got a bit of an unfair rub at Yorkshire, in my opinion, but things... Yes deteriorate a bit towards the end like they always do
1: yeah right Wayne, we're going to move on to the covers <laughs> off quick fire questions so we're going to run through these pretty quick i want to give you your first answer go on then so give us your first first reaction to these questions oh, uh, earliest earliest cricket in memory uh,
0: uh 1981 edinley ashes the first game of cricket i ever well, walked into uh i saw um Bob Willis and Ian Botham bowl out Australia. And we sneaked in through the Western Terrace. Just finished a medical exam in the morning. Went with two lads. First game of cricket I'd ever ever seen. Great game as well, that. Unbelievable one. I thought I saw cricket's this exciting. It's fantastic, this game. I'd never even never even watched it before. Right. Cricket, we asked Cricket in Hero, but
1: I'll let you give uh, cricket in hero or sporting hero as you grew up with rugby.
0: Um I think. I think anybody in sport would probably have to say Muhammad Ali is everybody's sporting hero. I can't imagine anybody who wouldn't put him down. I'm a great fan in in Rugby League. There's some fantastic players. John Atkinson was a player. Dave Erin, loose forward and captain at Leeds Rugby League, was a great lad. I find the Rugby League lads superb. But the greatest thing I would say is 36 years, God knows how many cricketers I've known. I would say I'm generally friends with them all. I think there's only been two or three cricketers that I've had issues with, and in 36 years, they always got sorted out as well. So I would say all all cricketers are heroes. You know, oh, all right. those professional lads are heroes to me. You,
2: you do realise awesome. these are you do realise there's a quick fire questions, don't
0: you? Of so, I didn't. I am I'm new to this game. <laughs> sorry, it's just an, is, it, is it just a one word answer? <laughs> well,
1: generally, well, that's just, what quick just fire, means, just isn't it? Quick fire. Darren Gons. Darren Gons. Love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're getting it now. We're getting it. Right. Now. Yeah. Professional oh, debut as a physio. Darren Goff. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> Professional day as a physio for Yorkshire. 1985, it was the day of Live Aid. Uh, never forgot it. Uh, we were playing, I can't remember who we were playing, but we were at Aberdale Park. And uh, my first, first ever day covering cricket was that Saturday of Live Aid. I remember driving home and then watching the rest of the Live Aid concerts. So whatever day when, happened,
1: when these, are, these are quick fire questions. <laughs> yeah,
0: Darren Goff, songs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, best game you've ever been involved in. Oh, um, gosh, quick fire South Africa test England at Edinley. If it was England, winning that was great. Benson Edge is 87, Yorkshire, fantastic. <laughs> Darren, <God. laughs> you're still oh, not getting this. No, 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 I, can't, I can't think that quick. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you've seen, you said you've seen a lot of crickets through your life. If if your life mattered, isn't it
0: somebody to bat for your life. Bat for your life. <laughs> Darren Goff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably to bowl for your life. He'd be up there. Bat for your life. Oh, don't say Geoffrey Boycott. I won't want that. Martin Moxon. Martin. Moxon. Yeah. Is that, is that that sounds a bit a bit incestuous? That don't it? I say him. It sounds. No. Like no. Crazy. No. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very underrated player. A bit unfortunate. Just because I could get him out in the nets like a kipper is probably the reason he didn't <laughs> do that well at best level.
1: <laughs> His reputation of getting out to you every week probably probably ruined him, not it? it? destroyed <laughs> him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the general <laughs> selectors used to ring up and say, has Wayne bowled him this week? Because he got him out? Now want <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, messiest in the dressing room? Messiest in the dressing room. Gosh, back then, that would have been Phil Carrick, without question. Who's the vainest cricket you've ever come across? Matt's Martin Moxon again, without question. whatsoever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Brilliant, I love this. I've got,
0: I've got some pictures of me and him at Ayers Rock in 1991. 19, his hair is lighter then than it is now. Are you Are you suggesting that he uh, just amend f- his hair? Anything. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying that it's suspicious that he's got a sponsorship with Grecian in 2000. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The only
2: thing for you is, William. you're about the same age as him, aren't you? But you is, must look at you I look think, like
0: his uncle. I think, <laughs> I think he's about four months older than me, is the lad. So He's uh, older? Yeah, he is. He's is a little bit older. But, he, he, you know, I mean, he, he takes them Cliff Richard pills. I mean that in a quite safe way. Um, <laughs> he, does, he, looks, he looks amazing, honestly. I've got, I've got to find it. Whatever he did, he was the first user of of, you know, skin creams. And I used to think, what I mean, his nickname, as I'm sure you know, used to be Tasty or Tart. That's what he used to call it, you know, that was his nickname. Because, I mean, back then, I know it sounds somewhat homophobic, but, you know, nobody put face cream on. And you used to look at him I and mean, think, what's he doing? And I look at him now <laughs> and see what he's doing. I look at me and him, I think, I wish he'd give me some of that face cream. <laughs> 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 I wish I'd learned that lesson.
2: Bloody
0: hell, it's amazing. Oh, God. Right, where are we?
1: I'm lost where we are now. Right, best celebration or party after a
0: game or series? Oh yeah. Oh there's a few of them. Um oh, Benson and Edges, nineteen eighty-seven again coming <laughs> up on the coach. I'm sorry that's an old memory, but that will live with me forever. That coach ride. And there'll be a few players on that in that team. The Jarves, the Neil Hartleys, the Jim Loves, the Kevin Sharps, the Ashley Metcalfs, the Simon Denny, Stuart Fletcher, Chris Shaw, I think was on as well, Josh's dad. Um there's be a few players on that. On that uh, coach, that will remember that trip. Back to drinking culture, though, so that's not always great, is it?
1: Yeah,
0: right. Three people living or dead to have dinner with. Oh. <laughs> my dad, if he was still alive, still would not mind dinner with him. Um, Muhammad Ali, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, a quick fire in it, sauce. Quick fire. Well,
2: you, you, you have said three, so you've kind of answered it already.
0: About all right. My dad, yeah, Muhammad yeah. Ali, Bruce
1: Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, good three. Good right, selection. from all, all the years you've been in cricket, pick your best
0: six-a-side team. Oh, six-a-side cricket. Right, okay. Who would I have? I'd have Darren Goff. Shock. At <laughs> <laughs> one to eight, no, mate. He'd, he'd be in. I'd have, I'd have uh, I'll tell you I'd have. I'd have um, Winker from Lanks, Mike Watkinson. Yep. Fantastic yep. goal-rounder to me. Great professional, great individual, great lad. Liked him. Would I have my captain? Great bloke, great captain. Not so sure he'd, he'd fit into the team. Maybe have somebody like an Adam Hollyoak. Again, another yeah. all-rounder. That level of cricket, I liked him. He really did well. I wouldn't mind if somebody like an Alan Donald or an Ian Bishop or a Curtly Ambrose in there. I think he. I don't think they'd go the distance. Somebody like that no. would be fantastic. Who else would we have? Oh, you've got you'd you'd have to have a Ben. St- you mean you know, I can pick anybody? Somebody like a Ben Stokes or somebody. No, like-
1: somebody that you've you've been involved with. So through your time at England and Yorkshire.
0: Uh, England and Yorkshire. I'll tell you what. I've Adam Gilchrist. He wasn't played for either of them, but he's he changed the face of cricket. I'd have him and all. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't don't think you understand the question here,
1: Karen.
0: <laughs> <where it laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> but, Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. I'm,
0: not, I'm not. I don't like. I don't like item picking out individuals because there's so many people in it, and I don't think I'd have to sit down and I'd change it a dozen times about that. So apologies that yeah, neither of no you are in the top six.
1: No, that's <laughs> fine.
0: Not Pato won't speak to you now. Right, last last <laughs> one Wayne We've
1: got. Uh, you've got 30 seconds to name as many Adam Lyle nicknames as you can. Oh, lively. Right. So Pato's well, going to get. I'm going to get you on the stopwatch. On the stopwatch.
2: Yeah, it's so second 30, got to 30 seconds. 30
1: seconds to name as many Adam Lyde nicknames mm-hmm. as you can. So, when you go, I'll start. So, anything I can say anything. Anything you want. Yeah, nicknames that he has.
0: Okay. Uh, well, obviously, the one I only ever call him Budge, uh, which is short for Budgie or Budgie Lips, named but Darren Goff named him that. Uh, <laughs> <Pete> <laughs> obviously, uh, Golf ball Head, It's not a great nickname, is it? It's a bit obvious. Uh, mashed Potato Brain, uh, Ice Cube, Dense. <laughs> um, lobotomy, remember that? Uh, golem, uh, one lip, one lip, fish lips, goldfish brain, squash ball head, squash ball head. Remember that? That's not even the yeah. proper name, is it? It's just abuse. That. Squash that's
2: ball. time. That's time. That's time.
0: <laughs> oh, oh that's brilliant.
2: Yeah. Genius. Thank
0: God we stopped at thirty
1: seconds. Twelve, Wayne. You got twelve. That's a new record. For no, animal, I think. Genius. That's Not eating either. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> oh, right, Wayne. It's been yeah. uh, an absolute pleasure having you on. You've got some great stories, and um, you know, you're somebody that you're somebody that all of us looks up to at the club. Um, you know, throughout your 35 years, uh, you've helped so many cricketers, and you've helped me and Pato along the way as well. And look forward to working with you in the future as well. But great, great to have you on, Wayne, and thanks for coming.
0: Thanks, lads. Keep practicing. I'm sure you can get it better.
1: Well, we will do when it you're is. on. <laughs> lovely to see you Bill take care cheers Wayne good to catch up cheers cheers you've been listening to the covers off podcast from Yorkshire County Crewing Club with me Richard Pyra and Steve Patterson
2: remember guys please subscribe to the podcast if you miss any episodes you can catch them up by downloading them on Spotify or iTunes thanks for listening again and we'll see you in a couple of weeks